Peter made a very good point. How do VCs measure success? Are they a billionaire yet? Yes or no? That is a not successful VC. <laughs> What's the general consensus? I mean, it's probably just very subjective. What, if I'm a successful VC? How do I, mean, I know if I'm a successful VC? Are you, are you beating the S&P 500? Are you beating the S&P 7? Like what, what are we looking at? I don't know. So most VCs will be like, am I top quartile or not? Regardless of what S the S&P is. Yeah, well, it's like, okay, I need to beat the S&P. And then if I look at other venture funds that are similar to us, am I top quartile or not okay. in terms of my performance? What about this S&P 7? How many VCs actually beat like the top performing stocks in the S&P? I mean, the rough numbers are like half of funds barely or don't return all the capital that they they called. Okay. Um, so there you go. If you can't return the money that you called, you are, or even if you do just return the money that you called, you are not beating the S&P 500 over the long run. So you're saying half. So the, the S&P usually generates about 10% over the long run, right? But the S&P like 7 would downs, generate more, more than that. Like the top performing stocks. The S&P 7? Yeah. Uh, potentially. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the S&P 7 performance, so I, I okay. can't speak to that. But All right. But yeah, I mean, look, most VCs are going to want to try and beat the market and show that they can beat the market. But then, you know, I feel like every VC I talk to is like, oh, yeah, we're top, we're top quartile. And then they make fun of other VCs. Those VCs numbers are horrible. Yeah, they don't they don't have good numbers. They yeah. suck. They suck. They're not as good as our numbers. Can you believe that? Yeah. 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 I'm like, where are you getting this the this info? You show you you invest in all the other VCs, so you, or you have your part LPs share the you know, share the you know, yeah, the pitch decks. Could be. Or it could just be like they're like they look at their portfolio and they're like, Well, I know those companies suck. Okay. There's no way they got a return. Huge markdowns. Huge markdowns. The realized gains or losses are tremendous. They, Huge. They made a bunch of money when it went public, but then they just held the stock all the way down to zero. <laughs> they, they blew most of the return by not selling early enough. Okay, internal rate of return. Why is that important for VCs? The IRR. So you have to understand what an internal rate of return is. We'll it, show it on the screen. The So if the you have formula. like a 10% IRR, that means that your, your money is growing by 10% annually compounding over a period. Uh, so it matters because the S&P 500, like I said, returns 10% annually compounding, right? So it has a 10% IRR over the long run, you know, give or take. And so as a venture fund, you want to be able to show that like your money is growing faster. So most VCs are targeting somewhere in the like 20 to 30% net to their investors. So what that means is that like you put in money into the fund, that money that you put in is growing by 20 to 30% every year compounding mm -hmm. over that time period. Per year, not just 20 to 30% at your gain over to your five. Yeah, not a 20 to 30% gain over the entire period, but every year it grew by 20 to 30%. Okay. How's that different than the multiple on invested capital? Multiple, the moik. I always cringe a little when I hear that, when, when my students say moik. I don't usually hear that term. Yeah. It's usually just the IRR is what all the VCs brag about. Our IRR is bigger than theirs. Yeah. Well, that's because IRR is kind of a vanity metric. Yeah. 
but you can't eat IRR as we say at our firm. So multiple is if I invest a dollar, mm-hmm. how many dollars do I get back when all is said and done? So you can have an IRR on a deal-by-deal basis, and you can have a, a multiple on invested capital on a, multi- on a deal-by-deal basis, but then you can also have it on a fund. So if I invest a million dollars with a fund, and then at the end of 10 years they've invested and then um, distributed, you know, exited those invested in dis- uh, investments and distributed the proceeds, and now I get back like three $3 million, then I would have a multiple on invested capital of 3x. Okay. And most funds target somewhere between 3 and 5x okay. uh, returns on the fund overall. Uh, what that usually translates into is they have, um, call it one to three deals that generate huge returns in the like 10x plus range, uh, a handful of deals that you know, return like two to five X and then a handful that either don't return anything or return just their cost basis. And then when you aggregate that all together, it comes out to somewhere in that like two to five X range. If you're investing in a seed fund, you'd want to be targeting returns that are probably like north of like four X because there's a lot of risk. If you're doing something that's more series a, maybe you're looking at like a three to four X uh, and if you are doing more growth stage investing, maybe it's somewhere in the two to three X. Okay. Um, but in each of those situations, like you want a higher return because there's a higher risk that like it goes to zero. Um, top performing venture funds like Sequoia have consistently put up nine to 10 X returns on their fund, which is part of the reason why they're, they've been so successful um, over the long run and are viewed as, you know, one of the top performing, if not the top performing venture funds out there. How else do they measure success? Like hit rate percentage of investments that were successful or does that really matter? Yeah. Some other, some other things that some venture funds or LPs that are evaluating venture funds will look at is like number of hits. So successful investments. Uh, another one is what's your loss ratio. So how many, how much, how many dollars or what percentage of your capital have you lost? Mm-hmm. Um, versus how much have generated a return. Uh, that tends to be more valuable when you're looking at like growth equity funds versus startups um, or funds that focus on seed stage uh, or series A. Uh, you also have what's called TVPI and DPI. So TVPI is total value uh, to paid in capital. Uh, and that is looking at essentially the paper and cash gains on the overall portfolio relative to the amount of money you put in. So it's highly correlated to your MOIC okay. or your multiple <laughs> on invested capital. Um, the, the, the challenges is that TVPI includes uh, paper gains. So you could say, hey, look, our fund has a 3X TVPI or TVPI of three, and you know all of it could be just paper gains Mm -hmm. and so those paper gains could evaporate right over time Um, most funds raise money on tvpi because there's typically not enough time that's gone on between the time they made the investment and the time they're raising their new fund Uh, but the metric that most lps should care about is what's called dpi which is distributions to paid in capital. Um, and what that is, is 
how much cash has flown back to investors relative to the cash that they've put in. So if I put in, if I have a DPI of 0.5, that means for every dollar I've invested in the fund, they've distributed back to me 50 cents. Okay. Um, ultimately, what happens is in the early days, your DPI is super low, may even be zero for several years. Your TVAPI grows over time as the total value of the portfolio increases relative to the amount of money that you've invested as those companies raise uh, subsequent rounds of capital at higher valuations. And then as those companies get acquired, go public, or even go out of business, TVPI starts to pull down a little bit, particularly by due to those companies that have gone out of business, whereas DPI starts to rise until the two equal each other when the fund is fully liquidated. That was a mouthful. There you go. I think ChatGPT missed some of those those points on our uh, agenda for this podcast. TVPDI, DBPDI. TVPI and DPI. How do you measure success at the University Growth Fund? Um, Personally, like how are you like, I'm a good VC because of X. So I think, look, I measure it on probably two broad metrics. Okay. The first is, uh, well, let me think about that. Outside of our student program, there are th probably three core items, mm -hmm. not really metrics, but items that I think about when it comes to success. Okay. So one is, are we producing returns for our investors that are risk adjusted mm -hmm. um, and are higher than their alternatives? Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, are we beating the S&P 500? Okay. Um, and for our vintage, are we doing a good job, right? Top quartile, whatever. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Two is highly correlated with that, which is, are we able to raise subsequent funds? Because if we're doing a good job for our LPs and they're happy, right, with mm -hmm. the performance and, and everything else that we're doing for them, then they should invest in the next fund. And not only should they invest, but hopefully they invest more in the subs in the next fund they did than they did in the first fund because it's been de-risked to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. So I measure that as a certain amount of success. Like if if I have great performance, but my LPs are pissed at me mm -hmm. and don't want to give me more money in my next fund, then I have fundamentally failed. Alternatively, like there are some funds where um, the, this isn't our, our situation cause we haven't raised that many funds, but, uh, I know of funds where they're on fund 12 and fund 11 was a total train wreck and did, did not perform, but their investors pony back up for fund 12 because they've done a good job on funds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, mm -hmm. 10. Right. And the LPs recognize that you just like, this is a long-term play and maybe you're going to have some underperforming funds here and there, but they're going to continue to support the the fund because they're good people and they're making good investments. And this was just like a market timing thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the next category um, that matters. And then, you know, the third category that matters to me is like, are we having a meaningful impact on entrepreneurs and students and our LPs and creating, you know, something that is broadly speaking, like beneficial 
to the constituents and the parties that matter, whether it's the startups, the entrepreneurs, the community, the LPs, the students, the general partners, like all of that are like, do we feel like we're, we're additive to the ecosystem overall or are we taking from it? Right. Are mm-hmm. we a negative influence? So those are the, the ways in which I measure success or failure. Okay. How many funds are you technically have you managed been the partner, like the lead on managing partner? Um, Is this your fourth fund? Third. Third? To so UGF my partner and, and I ran UGF? University Venture Fund for about eight years, took over operations of that. We didn't raise it. Okay. Um, but we invested about a little more than half of it, I think. And then, yeah, we raised University Growth Funds one and two. Okay. So you're considered like seasoned almost five, oh. one, four, five. I guess. I don't Based know. Based on our last podcast. In our last podcast, I talked about how you're considered emerging by many until you're on like fund five. So we got a few more funds to go. All right. Well, I think this helps. It was good at knowing how VCs measure success and how Peter measures success and how the University Growth Fund measures success. We're trying. That's All right. how we do it. Give us a five-star review. Go to the comments. Leave a like. That's how John knows whether or not this podcast is successful. We just see, see the downloads just continuing to grow. So we're very thankful for all Tell your friends and family. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Next episode. Bye.